This is Ed McMahon. And now, here's Armstrong and Getty. As you know, I never get out. I never do anything. And I thought, I just, I got to get out. And particularly, I haven't seen live music in forever. I went and saw Murder Hornet Friday night. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. you brought earplugs. Loud. You know, they got a different guitar player, but just kicked ass. Nobody was wearing their Murder Hornet outfits with the wings and everything like that. And it was just, oh, it's so awesome. Right, Hornet Heads, they call them. Hornet Heads, exactly. Fans, fanatic. Live from Studio C. Jeez, senor. Hey, dimly lit room deep within the bowels of the Armstrong and Getty Communications compound. And today, to kick off a brand new week full of just exciting possibilities. Uh, today, we're under the tutelage of our general manager. Well, because everything was so dull and, you know, same old, same old, gigantic Asian Hornets. Add a little something to the mix. <laughs> It was going to be common sense. But uh, I know how you hate the concept. So let's go with the horrific insect that may or may not be invading us. Uh, On the one hand, wildlife officials say we must now move to rein in the murder hornet. On the other hand, this sort of thing is so hot for the media. They love it so much, scaring the hell out of you. But they're about the size of a Volkswagen Beetle, right? (laughs) And uh, You're not helping. And no they, bigger than a surfboard. They, Come on. And they sneak up behind you. Right. And they garrot you. That's the way they, they do. Exactly. Yep. Nature has blessed them with a uh, like a metal wire. It's part of their abdomen. They put it around your neck and you're... <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Murder hornets, you see. Well, actually, you know, that you could keep an eye out for. An insect that's, I don't know, what is it, like an inch and a half long, something like that? The queens are two inches long, which is a really, really large bee. And the sting feels like they're injecting molten metal into your flesh. Now, I haven't had the privilege, but that sounds terrible. So you don't have the corona bee got killed by a murder hornet. Oh, jeez. Fantastic. So you're kind of... uh... You know, you're the B story of not that's a, not a pun, but you know, not the A, but the B story of 2020. Mm. Where are but, these murder hornets showing up in America? Uh, West Coast, I believe. I think I was hearing uh, Washington State wildlife officials comment on it. Okay, and they 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 kill other bees like crazy, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's the thing. They just rip their heads off and and carry their bodies away to to feed their young. You're it's, an enemy of a bee. You're an enemy of mine. You're pro right. Bees are our friends. Bees oh. are our friends. And our allies, Sean. One out of every three bites of food you take is courtesy of a bee. <laughs> wow. There you go. I used to work the farming show over the weekend. He used to say that all the time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I didn't verify it, but it sounds good. <laughs> yeah, you haven't independently verified <sighs> that. Don't bother. But they make honey. I don't need more reason to love bees other than honey. Sure. So I suppose gracious. Uh, looks like a bird. <laughs> looks like a hummingbird. You're looking at a picture of the murder hornets? Yes, I am. As we speak. Yes, I am. Uh some pranksters hooked Carol Baskin of Tiger King fame over the weekend. Carol Baskin. She thought she was on the Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon and she was not. So <laughs> that's among the many fantastic stories we have and we're Oh boy! Trying to avoid what we will be talking about a lot, I suppose, which of course is the uh, the latest state of the horrifying virus and the economy, which we'll check in on. 
Uh, the Joe Biden uh, sexual allegations, which I think should be officially dead. Um, well, she was scheduled to be on Fox News Sunday yesterday and then canceled citing security reasons. She's a nut job. So whether it happened or not, she doesn't have her act together enough to move forward on this. Right. Now, the New York Times runs all sorts of opinions in their opinion pages from left to far left. Um, but they uh, ran one from some gal, I can't remember her name, I got it around here somewhere, who said the Democratic Party really needs to look at replacing Joe Biden because of this uh, terrible allegation. Uh, so, you know, I don't know, it probably won't catch fire or anything, but it did rise to the level of being on the New York Times if, website. If you remove a candidate based on this, I don't see how there's ever a candidate ever again. Oh, uh, correct. For yes. anything. Yes. Uh yeah, I think that's a Looney Tunes opinion, but I'm just saying eh, it, it, it got above the waterline briefly. We'll catch up on all that later. How about the, we introduce everybody in the squad to kick off the show? There's our board operator, Michelangelo, pressing buttons, flipping toggles, pulling levers. How are you this morning, Michael? I'm doing good. Couple falls in love. There's a misunderstanding. Later they get back together. All ends well. It's the plot of every Hallmark movie, and I've seen a lot of them due to the shelter in place. <laughs> all right. Because I can't watch any live sports. It's all just old sports stuff, and, you know. My uh, fiance is working from home, and the Hallmark Channel is on all the time, and it's just... Oh, boy. Yeah, I've yeah. gotten to know, okay, yeah, this is the part where she, you know, yeah. falls for the guy up, she sees him with somebody else, thinks, you know, it turns out it's her brother or something, and then later, oh, it was a misunderstanding, and all ends well. We were in the park yesterday, and there was a family playing soccer. They brought their own little mini goals, and it was like a mom, dad against three kids playing soccer. And uh, Henry stopped. I hope the police arrested them. Henry stopped his bike and was watching him, and I said, hey, what you doing? He said, well, there's no live sports on TV, so I might as well watch this, which I thought was hilarious since he doesn't watch sports anyway. Oh, that's great. <laughs> it sounds wow. hilarious. Wow. There is Positive Sean, whose smile lights up the room. How are you, Sean? Uh, doing very well. Let me be the first of, I'm sure, to be many who will annoy you by saying, may the fourth be with you. Oh, that's yeah. right. Yes. Lord. That's to right. celebrate this, the Day of Jedi's. Uh, Disney Plus has released the uh, the most recent Star Wars, uh, the Rise of Skywalker movie is now available on Disney Plus, right. meaning all nine movies. Yes, that's right, nine movies in the Skywalker saga are available Nerd. to stream on the Disney Plus. Boy, my son hasn't seen any of them, and all his friends have seen all of them, and feel like I need to remedy that situation somehow. But does he have a very rare Boba Fett action figure <laughs> in its original packaging? So it's May fourth. Yes. See, see, Jack, the saying is, may the force be with you. And if I had a terrible speech impediment that I somehow didn't get rid of through either uh, therapy of some sort or whatever, I would still say fourth instead of force, I guess. I wouldn't drill down that deep into it. I don't know if it's a commentary on speech impediments. <laughs> I don't think it is. I mean, it's just, it kind of sounds like it. Why don't you get to, get to Disney Plus and watch that boy, let that boy watch the, uh, the first one? I suppose. We're, work, we're trying to work our way through the damned Avenger movies. So oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah, can do everything in its time. Can do everything. Uh, I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty on May the 4th, the year 2020, where Armstrong and Getty, and we approve of this program. All right, let's begin uh, dodging the giant hornets of history, precisely according to FCC rules and regulations. Here we go at Mark. Oh, my God. They just pulled my braid out through my nostril. That woman took my soul out of my head with that <laughs> <key tip. laughs> Wait a second. What was that about? 
<laughs> that, that was a woman describing her experience getting one of those nasal cavity tests for the uh, for the coronavirus. Yeah. Pulled her soul out through her head. Is that? Oh what she my said? God! They just pulled my braid out through my nostril. That woman took my soul out of my head with that Q-tip. <laughs> You know, I don't know if I've ever had that done or not, the the swab jammed up my nose. But my son had it done, uh, he's had it done a couple of times. And uh, once it didn't bother him at all. And once he just, like, screamed in pain and has been no, horrified ever since. No, so I don't no. know if you can go too far or if there's a technique to doing it right or whatever. I'm, I'm sure, yeah, you can gently get where you need to go or you could overshoot just a little bit. Oh, my God. They just pulled my braid out through my nostril. Oh, that boy. woman took my soul out of my head That's similar to what tip. similar to what sam said in the er after he had That's his done dang i understand that the new test that allegedly is coming out uh is uh, you just swab it around your nose it's it's much yeah, less I'd intrusive like you know the problem with the whole doctor thing and i don't know how else to approach it but they regularly tell adults and children this is going to pinch a little or tickle a bit or whatever and then it's horrifyingly painful and then right. for the rest of your life Anytime you tell me it's going to tickle a little bit or pinch a little or whatever, I know you're lying to me. Yeah. And sometimes it is minor, but since you've lied to me in the past, wouldn't you be better off to say this is going to hurt? Well, and here's so a little... on the ones where you say it's not going to hurt, I might actually believe you. Well, and a little perspective, if you're from a non-doctor, I want to know, is it supposed to feel like this right. or has something gone wrong That's and I should a... tell you? Very good point. Very good point. Because I'm the guy with the whatever inside me or up me or whatever. And uh, That's a decent point. If yeah. this is supposed to tickle a little bit and I feel like you stabbed my eyeball out with a knife, right? does that mean I have an infection or you did it wrong or something? But you right. said it was going to tickle and that's not what it felt like. It didn't feel like a tickle at all. Here, this is going to tickle a little smack. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I need to do next time. Now, yeah. this is going to just, you're going to feel a slight tap. Pow! <laughs> You feel the slight tap there? Yeah. <laughs> um, mailbag ready to go? Oh, Locked and loaded? Oh, please. It's fabulous. Okay. All that stuff on the way. Our text line is 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So did I hear that we had the worst death days, the worst 48 hours in this whole thing? I think it was Thursday and Friday. And I got to admit, I was under the impression that we were uh, on the downside. Uh, Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let me look that up and confirm that before I say it on the air. (laughs) Um, yeah, I'm looking at my model here. Um, and we got some Dr. Scott Gottlieb, who you've heard a lot on this show coming up later. He was on Face the Nation saying, the curve has not flattened the way we thought it would have after all this. So, <coughs> yeah, I, was, I, don't... I was a little shocked by that. Yeah, well, what curve? Um, but yeah, I'd like to hear what he says. I mean, there were 20, about 2,700 deaths per day on April the 15th. Now I don't I don't have up to date stuff. It's several days old, but there's um, you know a little more than half that many on April 27th. For some reason, they're projecting it to shoot upward on April 28th, then immediately drop back down on April 29th. I don't remember if it was Thursday, Friday, or Friday, Saturday was the worst 48 hour period. <clears throat> I also just saw that 
Warren Buffett has dopped, dropped several billions dollars worth of airline stocks. And I know he said yeah. a couple of weeks ago, I'm not selling airline stocks. They're still a viable company and blah, blah, blah. Oh, no. Yeah, he, Things change. He dumped it all. Yep. Hmm. I'll have to talk about that later. What's going on there? Nah, what does he know? Trains. Come back at trains. Train travel. Slow, leisurely. Mailbag. Here's the uh, complete C.S. Lewis quote on tyranny, which I think is appropriate for these troubled times. And I have some good examples for you. Of all tyrannies, a tyranny sincerely exercised for the good of its victims may be the most oppressive. It would be better to live under robber barons than under omnipotent moral busybodies. Mm. The robber baron's cruelty may sometimes sleep. His greed may at some point be satiated. But those who torment us for our own good will torment us without end, for they do so with the approval of their own conscience. They may be more likely to go heaven, yet at the same time likelier to make a hell of earth. This is this very kindness stings with an intolerable insult. Stings to, like a murder hornet. Yes. To be cured against one's will and cured of states which we may not regard as a disease is to be put on the level of those who have not yet reached the age of reason or those who never will. It is to be classed with infants, imbeciles, and domestic animals. For instance, Kate Brown, the governor of Oregon. We'll talk about her in a minute. You hate to be classed with infants, imbeciles, and domestic animals. A quick note, uh, a friend emailed me over the weekend. He has a very painful thing that needs to be taken care of, but he can't get surgery because it's uh, considered elective. Um, While the hospitals sit empty and go broke. And it's agonizing. And uh, the scheduling nurse, who now hates hearing from me every week, to quote him, says, if you have a cure for COVID, then maybe things will change. All right. So is that that a governor's orders thing? Because I know lots of hospitals around the country are starting to open back up for a couple of different reasons. One, they're not the least bit busy. (laughs) Right. Two, they need the uh, they need the, the the money. They need the revenue stream. Mm-hmm. And three, you got patients out there that need to get, be seen. Yeah, I do not know. Actually, speaking of Oregon, the uh, ban on elective surgeries has been lifted, as I understand it. So I'm hoping uh, Cal Unicornia, where my friend lives, will be next. Well, we're going to hear an Orange we'll County, check. Orange County, California uh, official a little bit later talking about their hospital situation, and they're empty. Yeah. Yep. Uh, here's a nice note from Skyler in beautiful Eagle Mountain, Utah. Eagle Mountain. I'm so tired of listening to our overlords tell us not to go to work. You've pointed out so many times they don't have to worry about income for so long as they're disconnected from real life. They will continue to receive their paycheck no matter what happens. Even unemployment benefits are taxed. So if the whole country goes out of work, the government officials will still continue to cash a paycheck. They don't care about us. They just look at how they look at the polls or on the 8 o'clock news. Disgusting. Well, his headline is good. Don't go to work, but keep paying taxes. Uh, Here's a nice note from uh, Dick. We have had countless medical models predicting future coronavirus cases and deaths and predictions for when the curve will flatten. Why haven't I seen any economic models predicting the short-term and permanent damages to our economy? What will be the fiscal effect of interest due on trillions in new debt? The number of businesses and individuals which will go bankrupt based on every week we remain closed. And how long will it take the economy to heal its shattered supply and labor chains? Keep up the good work and keeping this issue in the forefront. Thanks. You too. That's a good point. Where are all the economic models? I mean, they'd be wildly imprecise, just like the medical models, because we've never done this before. Uh, let's see. Uh, I'll just keep this uh, anonymous. 
Al Anonymous writes, as a commercial real estate property manager, I'm seeing all the closed businesses unable to pay rents and going under. It's only a matter of time before all the lights go out and I'm out of a job. Hopefully the surf will be open by then, as I'll have plenty of time to ride the waves and read in my hammock while I'm on the dole. Uh, I see the Gap filed for bankruptcy. That's a very big store. J. Crew. Brutal. Well, let's see. That's kind of long. How much time do we have, Michael? 40 seconds. Oh, uh, our old friend Kemper uh, writes on a number of topics, as he often does, but he was talking about NPR doing an hour on the suffering, injustice, and tragedy resulting from school closures uh, because they don't have enough computers or whatever. Nobody suggested that these kids can work on handwriting, reading books, uh, working on homework in printed formats. It's as if none of the experts are aware that humanity did okay for the past couple hundred years without a laptop in every cabin, apartment, home, or hovel. I've been saying this for weeks. I think they way overthought that. And then, yeah, I have more on that to come, but his punchline is, at the end, they provided a web address for those families that don't have computers to get one. So I'm not sure how they're <laughs> going to access that precisely, but it's pretty funny. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Yeah, I said the Gap filed for bankruptcy. Joe's right, it's J. Crew. Those are two completely different companies. I apologize, especially since we're on in San Francisco, the headquarters of Gap, which is a giant national company. They have not filed for bankruptcy. No, uh, indeed. J. Crew is a completely different thing. Much higher grade of clothing, J. Crew, but more expensive. Yeah, I got like two companies I order from online, so I've totally lost track of who's making good clothes and I really out like, in the world. J. Crew's nice, but it's more expensive. Mm. You got Gap. The nicer version of Gap, of course, is Banana Republic. The cheaper version that you can wear roughly twice, uh, Old, <laughs> Na- Old Navy. But practically free. They practically <laughs> hand it to you for free when you walk All right. in the door. So you got that going for you. Which How about Izod? Is that still big? I don't know about <laughs> the, the crocodile? You buy a shirt at Old Navy, the bag they put it in is another Old Navy shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Uh, do you know who Alex Jones is? He does a radio show, TV show, newsletter. Uh, he's super into the conspiracy stuff. And, uh, man, he's got some advice right here. I will eat my neighbors. I'm not letting my kids die. I'll, I'm just going to be honest. My superpowers being honest, I've extrapolated this out, and I won't have to for a few years since I got food and stuff. But I'm literally looking at my neighbors now and going, I'm ready to hang them up and gut them and skin them and chop them up. And you know what? I'm ready. My daughters aren't starving to death. I'll eat my neighbors. See, my superpower is being honest. I'll eat your ass. I will. I'm combat model, optimum self-sufficiency, probably the leader. The point is, is have you thought about that yet? Because I'm somebody that thought I could fix this, and I'm starting to think about having to eat my neighbors. You think I like sizing up my neighbor, how I'm going to haul him up by a chain and chop his ass up? I'll do it. My children aren't going hungry. I will eat your ass. That's why I want the globalists to know. I will eat your ass first. Oh, I'm going to eat the globalists first. (laughs) Got to bring it back on message. There you go. That's right. Yeah, I probably ought to weave back to my usual thing here somehow. Yeah, I'll eat globalists. (laughs) I'm not happy about this. You think I like sizing up my neighbors? Who I'm going to eat first? I don't. Oh, man. Time's tough. You got to face reality. 
He's a strange ranger. It's the uh, it's the people who take him seriously that scare me. I mean, even after that whole big divorce case where in court he said, no, that's a character. I don't believe that stuff. Oh, well. So a couple of notes of uh, non-bat uh, Chinese bat fever flavor. First of all, this is Chinese. Uh, the, uh, the movie company, the AMC Theaters, you remember that dispute we were talking about? Where, um, what was the Universal, was it? Yeah, yeah they, they said, hey. They we, released we, Trolls World Tour on, uh, on, on, on the TV. I mean, I just got to watch it at home. I ordered it at home and not in the theaters. And, uh, they made so much money off of that. They thought, hey, we're going to start doing it this way from on, on the way of the rest of the time. Yeah. Well, a- AMC movie theaters said, well, you do that. We won't ever show another Universal movie again. That's blah, the blah. biggest movie chain in the world saying, we're not going to show your movies. Right. Controlled by China's Dalian Wanda group. I did not know that. So, uh, isn't AMC American uh, something cinema? Or is that? I assumed it was American. They're owned by a Chinese conglomerate. But Universal's response to that was, okay. <laughs> I mean, we, but more people watched Trolls World Tour than watched the original Trolls in your theater. So, and, and we got to keep 80% of the profits instead of 50%. So don't show them. That's fine. Now, yeah. I'm kind of excited about movies starting to come out. When the, 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 the big movie comes out, you just order it at home first weekend. Heck yeah. Awesome. <clears throat> yeah, I'd see a heck of a lot more movies if that was the, the system. And then this, Jack, this is kind of to you. It's from uh, Al, anonymous, the private school teacher. Uh, regarding the awful Harvard professor Jack was talking about last week who wants to ban homeschooling. Uh, it's so scary, the idea of uh, parents in control of children's beliefs and ideas. Right. We need to have the government fashion those beliefs. This is a Harvard law professor. Uh, don't think that. Ideas like this are limited to elite college professors. I taught in suburban public schools for 10 years. Numerous colleagues spoke with utter contempt about homeschooling. The nicest attitude from most was something akin to, there's another kid we'll have to fix someday. I've heard several teachers compare homeschooling to child abuse and wish for it to be criminalized. Public schools in my state have to make certain services available to homeschool kids, banned and other electives, sports, curriculum, assistance, etc., which enraged some of my colleagues. By the way, some expressed similar attitudes about private schools and thought that there should be no competition whatsoever to state school monopolies. Well, a lot of that's driven by uh, the religious aspect. Um, you know, there are a lot of people that think teaching your kids religion is is child abuse. You're teaching them a fairy tale, and that's awful that you're doing it. They should go to the public school where we don't teach them that crazy stuff. And, and that, that's bothersome and similar with private schools. A lot of private schools are... Uh, you know, Christian schools, Catholic schools, whatever. Well, instead, they will indoctrinate them into the great progressive agenda, which includes a quasi-religious belief in uh, intersectionality, for instance, and social justice and f- 57 genders and counting. That stuff is, and, you know, more learned men than me have laid out the case. It is very much a secular religion. You must take it on faith. Uh, heretics will be drummed out of the tribe. There's the original sin of whiteness, for instance. It's very, very much like a religion. Except not like a, a Presbyterianism in the 21st century. It's more like Islam in the year, you know, 1600. You're liable to get your throat slit for daring to, you know, defy the authorities. 
I'd um, rather have your kids immersed in that. Thank you, no. So I saw this story that South Koreans are going revenge shopping after social distancing eases. They're definitely on the other side of this, and they're doing what they call revenge shopping. Which Do is, tell. I guess it's just some feeling of I'm getting back at the world somehow by shopping. It sounds like retail therapy to me, making huh. yourself feel better by buying stuff. And now you can justify it by, I'm helping out businesses. And, I mean, you know, that, which, which is true, and it's nice, but... I think a lot of people in advanced Western societies uh, buy more stuff than they should to make themselves feel better. And, yes. and here's a great it's way. Exciting. Here's a great way to justify it. Yeah, uh, revenge shopping. Well, I got to be... start thinking about what I'm going to buy. I love this idea. Will that be coming to America real soon? Well, Doctor Gottlieb was on Face the Nation yesterday, and we've we've played him a lot because he was the first person to mention closing down cities and states. And when I first heard it, I thought it was crazy. Um. He used to run the FDA. Anyway, here's him yesterday. When you look across the country, it's really a mixed bag. Uh, Certainly cases are falling in the tri-state region around New York City. But when you back out what's happening in New York, and New York's really driving a lot of the national statistics because it was such a large outbreak, um, around the nation, hospitalizations and new cases continue to rise. So there's about 20 states where we see a rising number of new cases. Illinois, Texas, Maryland, Indiana, Virginia, North Carolina, Tennessee have a lot of new cases on a daily basis. And so while mitigation didn't fail, I think it's fair to say that it didn't work as well as we expected. We expected that we would start seeing more significant declines in new cases and deaths around the nation at this point, and we're just not seeing that. I have several problems with that screed. Serious problems. I want to hear them because I found that troubling. Number one, any discussion of an increase in cases is utterly invalid because we have skyrocketing rates of testing. Mm, that's true, and and virtually we are testing ev- a lot more. I, I've looked at you know the models and graphs. I have like four different ones, different websites open all the time, and I refresh them and take a look at them. And the spikes in cases are almost entirely related to spikes in testing, um, and the deaths per day is about half of where it was at the height in the U.S. And according to the uh, the, the great uh, University of Washington model, and another one I was looking at. We're, we're way past the peak. I don't know what he's talking about. I mean, it's still a significant number of people dying, and, and nobody's happy about it. But, yeah, I did not. I, I don't know what he's talking about. Maybe if you eliminate New York, New Jersey? Well, Trump did say over the weekend it looks like we're going to have 100,000 deaths, so that number has gone up from the president. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty clear. We're about at 70 now, I think. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, I hope Dr. Gottlieb is wrong. I mean, him saying, boy, we really thought we flattened the curve and did a better job, and it's not looking like we did. I thought, holy crap. You know what I hadn't realized until uh, Craig, the healthcare guru, pointed it out to us during private conversations over the weekend was that the the flu deaths you hear about every year, those are models. Those yeah. are based on models. I that had they're no not actually that. counted. They don't know how many people die of the flu every year. And it's never been important enough, I guess, for anybody to dig down into those numbers. Right, and demand every hospital report every flu death or whatever. They use models that could be way off of reality. Mm-hmm. And so that's pretty interesting. Uh, why don't we hear Go- Dr. Gottlieb go on a little more about this? Because um, uh, I've, I've, this, this bothered me. 
the concerning thing here is that we're looking at the prospect that this may be a persistent spread, that while the doubling time has come down dramatically to about 25 days, so the amount of days it takes for the epidemic to double in size is about 25 now from day, days or less than a week at the outset of this epidemic, we may be facing the prospect that 20,000, 30,000 new cases a day diagnosed becomes a new normal, and 1,000 or more deaths becomes a new normal as well. A thousand, a thousand deaths a day for, for how long just kind of becomes the way it works? Until we have a vaccine or herd immunity. And then, uh, and then finally this. Maybe the summer's a backstop to spread. I think it will be. But we see this sort of persistent 20,000 cases a day, maybe 30,000, but it probably comes down a little. We see a persistent 1,000 or more deaths a day. Um, that's through the summer. But what happens when we come back in the fall and schools are back in session, colleges are back in session, residential college campuses? People are letting their guard down a little bit more. People are back at work after an August recess. And then you can see this slow simmer explode into a new epidemic or large outbreaks. That's the concern, that if we don't snuff this out more and you have this slow burn of infection, it can ignite at any time. And that caused me to just ponder what that would look like if it started to really explode in the fall. As we, you know, go back to school, malls open, etc., and then it just explodes again. Uh, what would that do to our psyche? I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine telling my kids, uh, they're, they're closing school again. Right. Everything's closed. We're staying home again. I, mm. I can't imagine what that would do to them. I don't know what it would do to me. I don't know what it would do to society. Yeah, I don't claim to if know. We had to do that I, all over again. And I, we're still in it now, obviously. Yeah, I'm increasingly persuaded that the the death rate among uh, the non-obviously vulnerable is, is really low. I mean, it's terrible, but it's it's very, very low. And the number of asymptomatic cases is so much larger than we even have any idea of. We have no clue who's had this thing. It's appearing increasingly that the repeat cases are false positives. You do have immunity to this thing once you have it. That's That seems to be the case, although, you know, stand by. The scientist has been wrong before. But it seems to me that by the fall, we'll have had enough people have it and be immune to it that it's much less likely uh, that the dots are connected and get to the vulnerable, if you know what I mean. Because if you have a lot of people immune to a thing, then it's just it doesn't spread nearly as quickly. So I don't know. I'm I'm pretty optimistic. I don't. I think old Doctor Gottlieb may be an alarmist, and and sometimes alarmists are right, like a stopped clock, perhaps. So we got some text responses, some stories we've already done, probably ought to hit on. Also, uh, a poll was done over the weekend: who Democrats want Biden to pick for his VP choice, among other things on the way. Our text line four one five two nine five KFTC. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Combat model, optimal self-sufficiency, probably the leader. The point is, is have you thought about that yet? Because I'm somebody that thought I could fix this, and I'm starting to think about having to eat my neighbors. You think I like sizing up my neighbor? 
There you go. That's Alex Jones saying <laughs> we only got him. Hang him up from a chain and get him. The food shortage <laughs> and the crisis has gotten so bad we need to size up our neighbors. Combat model. Optimum <laughs> self-sufficiency. <laughs> as, as we got this text, hey, Alex, you could eat veggies. <laughs> That's a decent point, you know. You could have a peanut butter sandwich before you eat your neighbor. You're not going to starve to death. Maybe you'd like some meat, but you'll be all right. I mean, if it involves killing your neighbor and eating them. Let's uh, let's exhaust our, all the other possibilities first. <laughs> exactly. Huh? Exactly. Yeah. Nah, it's Combat model. Optimum self-sufficiency. Probably the leader. <laughs> Maybe a bowl of cereal. Before you, you know, you string up Frank by a chain or whatever you just said. Do you think his neighbors oh listen to his show? <laughs> uh, well, I think he lives on like a thousand acres or something. Yeah. He's ungodly rich, Alex Jones. Oh, I got this text uh, about the murder hornets, which uh, got a lot of attention oh. over the weekend. Uh, to me, that was a bit of a sign that things are getting back to normal. That <laughs> murder hornets got so much attention. Well, I don't know. You got the uh, insects the size of hummingbirds that'll sting you and, and make a, a marine cry, and they could be invading America and then changing our way of life. It's we got this knowing. text. Is anyone really surprised that giant Asian murder hornets have come to America? The way we promote and glorify hornets in the USA is just ridiculous. Charlotte, Sac State, Georgia Tech, <laughs> T-shirts, hats, big mascots. If I was a hornet, I'd come to America, too. Any wow. Any hornet who would tell you different is just pollen your leg. Wow, that, that's better in print. Than... Anyway, this is a fourth grade teacher who's about For to shame. who's about to zoom with her fourth graders, and she has banned stuffed animals. As I mentioned uh, a couple of weeks ago, the uh, my son's heavy handed my son's home schooling thing over the Skype or whatever they're doing. All the kids hold up stuffed animals to the camera. Mm. Distracting. The outlaw stuffed animals, only outlaws have stuffed animals. That's I do, what I've always said. I do think, as we were talking about earlier, I think there's a little bit of falling in love with technology, and everything has got to be Google Doc this and uh, FaceTiming that and everything. And it's cool that we can do that as opposed to, couldn't you just send an email to everybody that this you should read this book and, and write a book report and mail it to the school? Would work fine. Right, yeah, or you know, practice your multiplication tables for fifteen minutes and have mom and dad sign that you did, and yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. As uh, our friend Kemper pointed out via uh, email, uh, hundreds of years of modern education, more or less modern, uh, took place before the advent of the Chromebook, and so we can probably keep learning without it. And even more troubling to me, and I had a conversation with a teacher over the weekend about this, is the number of school systems who have decided. That since not every single kid has ready access to all the technology, they will teach no one. No one will learn anything. Because if everyone can't learn everything, then no one shall learn a thing. That's why it got such a slow start in a lot of areas of the country, is they wanted to make sure 100% of the kids were completely up to speed technologically before they move forward, which seems crazy to me. Try to catch that kid up or whatever, but holding back everybody... Uh, if you've decided that, you know, Zoom or WebEx or whatever is the only way you can possibly teach kids. And then secondly, they've lowered the bar so much. Um, I mean, something's better than nothing, but, man, they are demanding not a lot. Other than the ability to, under, to, 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 to master all kinds of different passwords and websites and 
and platforms and stuff like that. We've got a uh, a babysitter who's been helping out with this, and she's a, she's a college student. She's as hip to this sort of stuff as anybody. She said this is just impossible to keep track of all the different platforms that they've got all tied together with all the yeah. different sign-on names and usernames and passwords and trying to get them all together. It's just a, it's very difficult. You know, I will give a little slack, a little temporarily to the teachers because oh, they haven't yeah. had to deal with this yeah, and it could be the first blush the first you know go through we'll learn a lot about what to do and what not to do but the whole if every kid doesn't have anything nobody gets anything is is so outrageous no, that's to me. a philosophy and it's a dumb one well it is a dumb one i'm reminded of a couple of winston churchill quotes which i've long cherished uh, so- socialism is a philosophy of failure the creed of ignorance and the gospel of envy and its inherent virtue is the equal sharing of misery but perhaps even more apropos to this situation is um the main vice of capitalism is the uneven distribution of pro- prosperity. The main vice of socialism is the even distribution of misery. And that is exactly what we're seeing right here. Boy, that's a perfect description what, of what happened in a lot of school districts. Yeah, we will bring everyone down to the lowest common denominator. For out of fairness, because it's right. more fair that nobody learns for a month and a half. Right. To make sure the last two people get signed on with their Chromebooks. Instead of going ahead and educating the people who don't have the equipment or whatever and appoint your best and brightest to spend, I don't know, two hours with their heads together figuring out, okay, how do we reach these other kids? What are the most effective means to do that? And then, you know, the activists just shout, well, that's unequal and there's no social justice and the rest of it. Come on. We're better than that. Or at least we used to be. Armstrong and Getty.